Obviously, it's not the best environment for fundraising right now. And that's something we're, again, we're kind of embracing, right? We started a company in the middle of a pandemic. We, we've, we've kind of embraced these tough, these tough things. And so we're being super selective right now on, okay, how much do we want to spend our attention on fundraising in a, in a down environment right now? Or how much do we want to focus on our business right now? Hey, this is Jesse here, and this is the Betting Startups Podcast. You're about to hear my discussion with Stefano from FTN Network, a multi-site data and media company focused on sports betting, fantasy, and DFS. We covered a lot of ground in this one, including how Stefano traces FTN's origins back to a burner Twitter account he created to share NBA picks during his lunch hour at work. He also talks about how solving their own data problems for the B2C business led them to a B2B opportunity reselling their solution. And finally, he talks about how it's all going in the current efforts to raise a two plus million dollar round in the current fundraising environment. I love what Stefano and his team at FTN are doing, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But just a quick reminder before we get going today, the Betting Startups newsletter is the only weekly publication dedicated to the industry's early stage ecosystem, and it's the easiest way to keep your finger on the pulse of it all. The 10 seconds it takes you to subscribe will be the highest ROI use of your time today. So head on over to news.bettingstartups.com and smash that subscribe button. All right, we are back with episode 72 of the Betting Startups podcast. And with me today, I have Stefano from FTN Network, which comprises a number of different brands and and products, which we're going to talk about today, Stefano. Uh, You and I actually met up uh, last month in New Jersey at the SBC conference, and I was really jazzed to talk to you there and learn about everything you guys are up to. So excited to dive into it all today. But first and foremost, just to check in, how's everything going with you on your side since SBC last month? Everything's great. You know, I'm honored to be on the podcast. So thank you for thinking of me. Uh, no, everything is great. Nothing to complain about. SPC was fun. I'm glad to connect again. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into the story of FTN. Awesome. Well, let's get into FTN then. And maybe before we do that, we can start with the story of yourself. Uh, if you could give folks listening, Stefano, a little bit of a sense of your background and maybe some of the major chapters of your journey up until the FTN chapter started. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I have a bit of an interesting backstory, especially getting into this space. So, you know, right out of college, I was sort of working your traditional sort of nine to five job. Um, I was essentially doing revenue control management services for uh, doctors. So making sure doctors are getting paid by insurance companies. Nothing exciting about that. But, you know, sports was sports have always been like a huge hobby and, and passion of mine. Um, and really like sports betting once I was getting older, it was just fun, right? I was good at it. I, I, follow sports way too closely. So I became naturally good at sports betting because, you know, I'm paying attention and I was always data focused. So, you know, you know, during this like sort of job, I, I was, I was bored at work. Right. And so during my lunch break, I created like a burner Twitter handle and just started, started like tweeting out NBA plays. Right. Um, and I didn't want anyone to know who I was. Right. Cause I didn't want, you know, my work to find out, okay, he's not working. He's, he's tweeting during lunch or he's tweeting at his desk. So I didn't have a picture of myself. I, I had a, a a cat wearing a chain with a lot of money around on a table. And I was like, what's the cheesiest handle I could pick? And I chose big money play. Because why not, right? This is like a joke. I thought it would be fun. And so little did I know, I started picking up a little bit of following. People were kind of liking my my tweets. Uh, my my engagement, my advice was good. And, you know, I didn't have like a huge song, but I had a couple of thousand followers. And uh, randomly, someone I went to college with followed me. And he had a bit of a following. He was like kind of talking about NFL stuff. Uh, he didn't know it was me though, right? He just randomly followed me because all he sees is at Big Money Play, a cat with a chain on. And um, I was like scared to DM him thinking, oh, he's going to like rat me out somehow to my company, even though there's absolutely zero chance that was ever going to happen. But somehow, and I mustered the courage um, 
after a couple of months to DM him like, hey, you know, it's Stefano uh, from St. Joe's, you know, it's good to connect. And then we reconnected. We were friends at college and we kind of lost touch out of college. Uh, and then we reconnected. And for like the next year, you know, we were just kind of chatting. He actually ended up uh, joining a, a startup called the Quant Edge um, as their chief product officer. Uh, and he reached out to me. He was like, hey, you know, we're looking for an MBA product manager. Are you interested in potentially doing this? And I was like, yeah, sure. I think it's a long shot. I'll get it because I have no experience in this space whatsoever. He was like, yeah, it's going to be a long shot. But, you know, hey, I think it's good experience. He was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I actually went through three interviews and I made it to the final two. And I guess they liked what I said. And it wasn't his decision. So I wasn't, it wasn't like some form of like friendship or anything. It was the CEO's decision. And they actually ended up going with someone else, right? And that was absolutely the right pick because this person had a serious XM show, like 35,000 followers. And I was just at big money play with a cat and 2,500 followers, right? I wouldn't have picked me either. But that guy actually ended up backing out um, the last minute. And lo and behold, I got the job. And so that was my first path into this space. Uh, so I was the MBA product manager at the Quan Edge. Um, and, you know, I, I was super passionate about this. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. And so I wanted to learn more skills. And I really learned how to market and specifically digitally on the sports betting side through like Google ads, Facebook ads, Twitter ads, uh, and really, be, you know, kind of had success doing that. Then we, we ended up having kind of a difference of opinion with, with the CEO uh, and that, that company you know, ended up kind of going under or uh, actually right before uh, COVID. So in February of 2020, like two weeks before, like all the shutdown, uh, I was laid off. And again, not because of COVID, but that, you know, gave me an opportunity to kind of think, okay, maybe I'm going to start my own website. Um, I know how to drive in traffic. Uh, maybe I'll make like a small kind of affiliate website and, and do this on the side and it'll be fun, right? Because I got in this space. And then I linked up with Kevin Adams, who's the CEO of STN uh, and he was looking to start his own company and he had essentially all the personality behind like, he, he, he had Twitter followers, he had personalities behind the startup, but he didn't have sort of the, the organic and the, um, the digital marketing, right? Like that to be able to pull in an audience that is not through social. Um, and so we kind of joined forces, right? We, he had an audience that I needed and he, I had the digital background that he, that, um, that he needed and. Thus, we, we started STN in March of 2020 and launched July 7th of 2020. Um, so that's kind of my, my backstory into this space. Uh, we're really kind of grinded from nothing and, you know, worked my way. Awesome. Well, we'll get into everything you guys are up to now, but I want to sort of stick with that period of time. So again, when we were chatting last month in New Jersey, like I really was captivated by that sort of story of you guys really like leaning into this during the shutdown of COVID, whereas a lot of other folks were kind of like, pivoting away from what they were doing, given the shutdown, you guys kind of took the opposite track, which was a bit of a contrarian move, I guess, in retrospect. But talk a little bit more, Stefano, just about, um, I guess, kind of the initial months there, the work you guys were doing to get that first product to market. And particularly given the uncertainty as to when sports would resume, like what was your guys' mindset at the time? And what did you sort of think this would become at that time? Yeah, so I mean, COVID presented, you know, as terrible as, as COVID was, right, for us specifically, like in, in building a business, it was a perfect time to build a business. I mean, I'm based in New York City. I couldn't leave my house, right? I was stuck in my apartment and all I could do was work and it was something to do. Uh, so it was actually kind of a perfect time to really just grind it and start building a business. And on the other side of it, you know, all of our competitors that we're trying to catch up to are all stagnant, right? They can't do anything. There's no sports going on and they either have to burn more money or lay people off, which is unfortunate, but it kind of provided an opportunity for us to catch up to our competition. And so we view that, viewed it as an opportunity, okay, it's, it's not the best time, right? With sports currently live and a lot of uncertainty of when they're going to start. Uh, but, you know, let's take this chance and, and let's, let's try and build a business and, and try and catch up to our competitors bar where they can't, 
they can't grow. It's a time where they, our competitors couldn't grow. What was it like for you guys, I guess, kind of taking that product to market, given kind of where the COVID situation was at at the time and sort of the remaining uncertainty, like, I guess, going to market, how, how was all of that for you? And um, what was that sort of initial product that you guys had ultimately ended up launching with? Sure, absolutely. So, and this is kind of where the FTU story gets really interesting. So I apologize if I kind of get ahead of ourselves, but it, it all it all ties together. Um, so, you know, here we are, it's, it's, it's March of 2020. Our goal is we want to, we want to create three websites, one that focuses on traditional fantasy sports, one that focuses on daily fantasy sports, and one that focuses on sports betting. And they're going to be premium subscription uh, uh, sites where, you know, they're strictly B2C. We're going to have projections, we're going to have tools, and we're going to have premium content to, to sell to people. And so part of that is we needed an advanced NFL data package. Uh, so, you know, the goal was, again, we, we want a B2C focused network. And we were looking for a advanced NFL data package and everything was so expensive and we were bootstrapping. This, so we didn't have funds to afford a 40000 NFL, $40,000 NFL uh, advanced data package. So we were looking at our options. We we're like, okay, well, shit, I'm sorry. I don't know sure if I can curse on this, but we were like, all right, well, what do we do here? And we stumbled upon one company that was this older gentleman in Canada who uh, was just charting NFL data as a hobby. He, we kind of got the vibe that he was looking to kind of step away and all the data that he provided was, was, was phenomenal. It was everything we needed. And so instead of buying a data package, we kind of quickly pivoted and bought a data company. And we were like, okay, let's add a fourth site to our network and, and a B2B side of the network. Uh, and that's, that's ftndata.com. And that's sort of how that started. But to kind of go back to that backstory, it's like, okay, we're about to launch. It's, it's the week before July 4th. We're having conversations on acquiring a data company, but we still need revenue, right? So our focus was still on that launch was strictly, okay, let's get these sites up. Let's generate revenue on the B2C side. Let's see what we have on the, on the data side, uh, service his existing clients, and then slowly build that up. Awesome. Well, let's then fast forward a bit, getting a bit closer to current day then. You know, as I mentioned, FTN Network is sort of the umbrella, I guess, brand. But within it, as, you, as you've talked about, right, you have a, a network of different properties on the B2C side. So just for the benefit of folks listening that might not be totally familiar with what you guys have in market today, can you quickly just sort of run down what it is FTN is doing and give some sense of, I guess, just the overall value proposition to the users you're targeting? Sure, absolutely. So you know, our value prop is essentially like, we have this huge bucket of NSL data that we own, right? And we are, we are charting this data. Um, we are, we're charting this data and we're uploading this, this master admin or this tool that we've built that will query the data and we can write scripts off that data to clean it and basically produce any tool, any metric that we want. We can invent our own metrics. And so we have that data and then we have, to, like, so our network, we, we essentially have two routes, right? It's either we customize it and that's the B2C side where we're showcasing our data and we're showcasing it the way we want with premium tools, with our own proprietary projections, and selling that to consumers um, who want to improve their fantasy football skills or become a better sports better or a better daily fantasy sports player. Uh, and on the other end, we give you the opportunity for businesses or, or people, honestly, to customize it themselves or we'll sell people the raw data. Um, and we're kind of even moving one step forward where we're, we're providing customizable tools that turn our raw data into tools that people can use as, as engagement tools on their websites. Uh, so. You know, our, our value prop is really owning the data and displaying it in multiple ways on our own end, and then being able to customize it for other businesses as well um, to help them reduce their data costs and also their development costs. Where we'll, we'll do some of the development where we'll, we'll, we'll create a seed that cleans the data exactly for what they need, and we'll provide them that exact seed uh, for them to, to display rather than them cleaning that data themselves. 
Awesome. Now that makes a ton of sense. I want to focus a little bit just on, I guess, the the data that FTN is sourcing. And, you know, obviously we hear a lot about quote unquote official data and all of that. And as you've identified, right, like the, the price tags for the official data feeds are, let's just say what it is, prohibitive for a lot of, you know, small teams or startups or, or even medium-sized businesses that are looking to leverage that for, for different use cases. You know, many chapters ago in my own journey, I, uh, you know, had a startup that was also trying to do interesting things with data back in, you know, 2010, 2011. And just the lack of availability there made it really challenging to the point where much like yourselves at FTN, you know, we had to get pretty creative about how we were sourcing our own. And then that led to all sorts of challenges to clean and normalize the data and turn it, you know, into a standard schema that could be queried, et cetera. So I'm pretty familiar with the challenges, which is also why I really love what you guys are up to here. But I guess it's coming back to like, you know, the official data and then sort of what you guys are doing. I'm just curious if you can help us understand a little bit kind of how FTN is able to source its own data and how much does it matter to developers and end users, whether that data is quote unquote official or unofficial data? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And so it's hard to diagnose it as official data, right? I guess like the NFL is the only person who can say this is official data. Uh, but it's about as official as you can get, right? We have professional football experts who are charters, right? So we have about 30 charters on staff. They chart every snap of every NFL game. And to kind of deep dive into that, it's like picture Joe Burrows throwing a pass to Jamar Chase. We're charting who's the closest edge defender to Joe Burrow, how clean of a pocket it was, how many, how many steps he took back like in the pocket, uh, what route Jamar Chase ran, who was the closest defender to Jamar Chase, where was the ball location, what was the coverage defense was running, uh, you name it, like we, we're charting that. And we have, every, we have every single imaginable thing that can happen on a single play charted. And then we upload that into a CSV. I'm sorry, we, we, that, that's all captured in a CSV. We upload that CSV into, again, this like master tool that we built. And that's where then we kind of, we, we query that data and clean it in specific ways. And, and that's all connected to our API. And then we deliver that, that data to our customers um, through our API, which, which we, re, we essentially just revamped our, our API. And it's just kind of a funny backstory. Uh, we're, we're like, we're really viewing this NFL season as our first like go to market season on the data side. The first year right, was basically, okay, let's maintain what we have. Let's see what we have under the hood and let's see what we can improve. The second year was improving that and, and testing it at, which was last year, which went well, but the way we were like, okay, we're ready to test it is our, our, one of our, I'll shout out Frank, who's our chief data officer. He actually accidentally sent 5 million calls to our API and it didn't break. We're like, okay, I guess we're ready to do, uh, are doing this. Um. So that, that's essentially our collection process, our, our, our SaaS, I should say flow, right? Where it's okay, this is how we collect the data and this is how it's delivered to our customers. And then there's obviously some stuff in the middle where we'll have special requests from customers saying, okay, we only want, let's say defensive stats, right? Um, what can you provide me? Can you, can you build us a feed that only has defensive stats so we don't have to query all the offensive stats? And that's some of the customizable stuff that we will do on our end to help startups. Right on. And, you know, I guess, some of the raw data, if we think about data, I mean, at, at the most basic level, you could consider it to be a bit of a commodity, right? Uh, it's, it's fairly standard stuff. So I guess just thinking about innovation in the data ecosystem, how are you thinking about innovation with data and, and maybe how is FTN innovating here? Sure. So really on the customizable front, I think is where we're really innovating, but our price points also sort of how we're trying to differentiate. And that's how we're trying to grow and trying to, trying to gain market share. Uh, because we understand this is a problem in our space. We experience it ourselves. There's a gap in the market for having affordable and reliable data. And the key, and like one of our challenges, right? I know this wasn't part of the question, but it's, 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 it's in the same sort of um, uh, realm is like our challenge is when someone hears affordable data, they probably are thinking of a lesser product. And this is sort of the feedback that we're getting that we're super good about is like, we're giving people a key to our API to test it, right? 
to see if we have what they're looking for. Every, everyone comes back and is like, oh, wow, you guys really have everything. This is perfect. And that's sort of what we want, right? We want to sort of give that experience to users where data isn't like a challenge. It isn't a headache. We're here to work with startups. We're here to work with larger companies too, right? But primarily we want to fill that gap in the market to have affordable, reliable, and customizable data where, you know, you're not just getting a a workaround on like, if you have an issue, like you call one of our guys and, and we'll work with you and make it, we'll, we'll make it work. How, I guess, when you talk about the, you know, positioning of the FTN data product and really trying to appeal to startups and those that can't afford the $40,000 official data rights feeds, you know, I guess, what are you hearing so far from customers about that value prop? And I guess ultimately, like, is that resonating in the conversations you're having so far? It, it absolutely is. And, and like I said, you know, people, when they first hear us or when we first have that initial conversation, there's some skepticism because they're like, okay, it's, a, it's like a fourth of the price, even more sometimes of like what they're typically seeing for the same exact data. And, and sometimes, you know, I'm over, I'm kind of overselling FCN here a little bit, but we have more data than some of the other uh, products that, that are, that are offered. And it's positive, right? Cause when people first receive it, they're like, oh, again, this is, this is great. This is everything we need. Um, and I think what really kind of intrigues people, and this is where the conversation uh, this, this sort of where I think FCN is going and it's just really separating us is, you know, again, these custom feeds that we can build and these custom tools that, you know, we're displaying on FTN fantasy, for example, we have the feed built. If someone wants a tool that's similar to that, we're happy to share that feed and, 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 you know, they're getting exactly what they need. And we can even put a white label tool that exists on FTN fantasy on another person's site. And so that's, it's all very, we get a really positive response, especially when they see the price point, right? That's, that's the big key here. And I mean, I'm going to call a spade a spade, right? We're, we're cheaper. And, and uh, again, that doesn't mean the quality is, is worse. It just, we're just, we purposely said, okay, we want to be cheaper. We know we, 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 we have our systems where we know how much we need to sell in order to be profitable. Um, we've done, we've got a super efficient sort of charting structure and, and, and the way we accumulate the data and we can sell it at this price point and, you know, we're happy to. Awesome. Well, I'm going to zoom out a little bit from the data business specifically. Um, I mean, as you've outlined here, right, uh, the, the genesis of the business with, was this network of B2C properties that sort of organically led uh, to the B2B business. So now basically what you have on your hands is multiple lines of business with different business models. I'm sort of curious, you know, given the stage you're at, how you guys are uh, allocating and prioritizing your resources, given that, you know, both those businesses are quite different in nature. And that's, and that's honestly a super popular question that we get because it's a fair question, especially when we're trying to raise money, right? A lot of people like see like, okay, you guys are doing so much, like it's almost too much and it's viewed as a negative. We, we sort of embrace it, right? Um, that's sort of our goal. We're going for that huge exit. We want to become sort of that sports betting conglomerate, that sports betting one-stop shop that offers everything. Uh, and what we do, I mean, it, it, as I'm sure you're aware in, in any startup environment, it's a bit of controlled chaos, but we do try to keep it as controlled as possible. People are assigned to their specific vertical and they stay in that vertical uh, with only a few people kind of sort of being those Swiss army knives that are hopping from vertical to vertical. Uh, like for example, like we have our, our CEO is, is focused on fundraising and on the FTN data side where my focus is, is marketing on the entire network, but really, you know, focusing on the B2C side. And, and that's my role as COO is, is mainly managing it and, and organizing the B2C side while my role at CMO is sort of like the entire network. But that's, that's sort of what we do. We, we keep people in a specific lane, right? Uh, make sure they're focused on that lane and try and have as little crossover as possible. Makes sense. I also, also want to talk just quickly about the B2C business. We haven't spent much time there yet. But, you know, as you've described with the network across both, uh, you know, betting, fantasy and daily fantasy, 
you know, you take all that together, it's, it's a content-led business um, with different sort of monetization strategies, which, you know, at least from the outside looking in, looks like Pix being a part of that. Um, I'm curious just to kind of get your broad view on the overall sort of content and picks space. And, you know, look, there's there's a lot of teams doing similar stuff out there right now. I guess my question is like, do you view that space as being saturated at this point? Or is there still a lot of high growth potential for the category? So there's definitely high growth. It's both, right? I think it's definitely saturated, but there's also high growth potential. And that's where you really need to stand out. And that's where we think our data and our tools really stand out, right? Like what we're able to do with our own data that we own and manipulate it however we want to provide these custom tools that users need. I think is what stands stands apart uh, on, on that sort of content side. I know that's not specifically content, but really it is viewed as content, right? You know, we want people engaged on our website uh, who are paying uh, a subscription for it. You know, we're, we're seeing growth on, on our BSC side where our subscriptions are up 208% year over year. Uh, we expect that to continue to grow uh, through this summer. We're really excited for this for this next quarter, right? This is our this is our, our really our, our May quarter, right? When football starts, it's that July, August, September time. But, you know, we're... we're I think there's high growth opportunities for sure. You just need to make sure what you're doing is good content. You can't just kind of put out FS content anymore because it is saturated, because there is so much competition and you have to find a way to stand out. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I also want to ask a little bit on, on a different topic here about Techstars. I know FTN went through the Techstars program and I've had a few other uh, companies on the podcast in the past that have also gone through Techstars and some through other accelerators as well. So I always like to ask a question just around sort of experience sharing from going through that process. Uh, so the question to you would be like, you know, what was the experience like for FTN going through the Techstars program? And I guess, what would you say to other founders about just the relative pros and cons of going through an accelerator? Yeah, so it's an awesome experience. And I'm, I'm not trying to like have an ad for Techstars right here, but I really, really enjoyed the experience, learned a ton from it. Really, like we understood what, what, what was the most impactful thing for us is we understood essentially what direction we needed our business to go in if we were looking to raise money, right? Uh, especially VC money. And that was like, we, we knew we wanted to pivot more to the B2B side, but we weren't as focused as we needed to do, yeah, as we needed to be. Uh, Techstars really kind of put us in line and, and speaking to VCs and, and, and founders being like, okay, we really need to start investing in the B2B side and really start growing out that product. Even though our revenues on the B2C side are much higher because purposely we're, we're, we're putting more resources into it, we need to focus on this area if we want to raise money. Because this is where the, that's where the excitement on the VC side and the fundraising side, I should say comes from is, is scaling a B2B product and really taking market share in a 40 to $60 billion market that really has what five to seven real competitors, right? Uh, whereas on the B2C side, there's what thousands of competitors who are doing not exactly what we're doing, but similar things. Um, so Techstars really got us focused on um, the negative. I would say for Techstars was as a startup, you are away from your company for almost three months and you have to really trust the people in your company to make sure things are going on and just be super organized. It's a lot of work. Um, it's it's almost like being in a in a business boot camp or a business sort of uh, summer class where it's not like homework, but you basically have homework and you're learning new skills and you're you're not thinking about your own company twenty four seven. You're thinking about learning about what to do by your company for about like ten hours a day, and then you have to deal with your own company sort of in those hours that kind of fit, uh, why you need to eat and sleep as well. But it's a lot, right? And so I think it's a highly valuable experience and I think it's worth doing, but it's only worth doing if you are prepared and you trust the people around you in your company to sort of fill in the gaps while you're going to be distracted and kind of away from your company. And then I guess if you, you know, you talked about all of the learnings through those three months with Techstars, I guess if you reflect back on that and all of the learnings that you took from that, I guess when you came back to the company on a day-to-day basis, you know, what was sort of like the one big thing that you, I guess, implemented or, or tried to 
change within the organization based on all of those many different learnings through your time in the accelerator? Yeah, this, this might seem like a smaller thing where it's, it's less about fundraising. It's more about like sort of company culture and, and, and managing expectations. Uh, but part of our program, there's like a retreat, right? Where you're away for two, three days. There's no service. You're like kind of in the middle of the woods um, in Indiana. And we're kind of, we're, we're learning about essentially skills you can use to communicate with your company. And that was the thing that I took the most out of it, I think, was just understanding like how to deliver expectations um, effectively and efficiently where, you know, if I'm going into a meeting and I don't really want it to be sort of some sort of open-ended discussion, oops, sorry, I should, I should really state that, right? Say like, hey guys, you know, we need to accomplish this. How do we get this accomplished rather than, hey, we should do this. How do you think we should do this? Because then it becomes, it's, then it becomes to have an inefficient meeting. Uh, and that might sound like strict, but it's actually super important. I also think it reduces frustrations within the company, right? Where someone like wants to get their opinion. They have an opinion on something, but they understand, okay, this isn't like, you know, th this isn't what this call is about. This call isn't, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? It's how should we do this? And there's other calls where, right, should we do this or should we not do this? And so it's really just managing expectations for calls and making sure calls are super efficient. Sounds small, but it's really important, especially when you're doing a lot of things in a business where you're not, you're doing, you have a 30 minute call instead of an hour and 15 minute call that went nowhere. That, that really does make a difference. Let's segue from Techstars uh, naturally into the funding side of things. Uh, you've alluded to it a couple of times here now. Maybe just to start with, we can talk about any funding to date. If you could give us a bit of a backgrounder on the funding journey so far, and then we'll segue from there into sort of the forward-looking funding plans. Sure. Yeah. So we are we currently actually just opened up a round. Uh, we're looking to raise $2.25 million um, at around a 15 to $17 million valuation. We oversubscribed our previous round. We, we were looking to raise 500K, we did around like 630, 620K, something around that. Obviously, it's not the best environment for fundraising right now. Um, and that's something we're, again, we're kind of embracing, right? We started a company in the middle of a pandemic. We, we've, we've kind of embraced these tough, these tough things. And so we're being super selective right now on, okay, how much do we want to spend our attention on fundraising in a, in a down environment right now? Or how much do we want to focus on our business right now? And so we, we just opened up this round where we think, okay, we're going to use our momentum that we're going to gain this summer to essentially look to, to raise money. And, you know, we have a great story. So even with the, you know, the, the, the tough fundraising uh, environment, we, we think we'll, we'll, we'll do pretty well. And we actually have a commitment. We have uh, our first commitment actually to that, which is exciting. Awesome. Well, that, that's a big win. So congrats on that. Uh, first one's always the hardest. Uh, hopefully the rest of the dominoes fall easier following that. But I'm curious, I guess, you know, it sounds like you're you're early into this new round, um, but presumably you're out there having some conversations already. Curious, I guess, just given the context of the funding environment, as you mentioned, like how are those conversations going so far? And I guess what is some of the feedback you're hearing from investors around the overall business and the opportunity that FTN is pursuing? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm starting on like the negatives or like the challenges, I should say. You asked this question and I kind of I referenced it, but you know, how are you guys doing so much is the number one question we get asked from people like are, are trying to understand our business, right? Because it's a lot, right? And that, that is viewed as a negative to some people. Um, and it's just a testament to sort of the, the hard work that everyone's done on the team. Like we all have an aligned goal. We're all kind of in this together. We're, we're shooting for the stars and if we don't get it, we don't get it, right? So, I mean, from, uh, I'm like, in terms of like feedback, negative feedback we get, it's, it's, are you guys doing too much? Maybe you should focus on one side. Uh, and honestly, when we hear that question, it's a totally fair question. And we say, you know, this is what we want to do. And if it's not the right fit for you, it's not the right fit for you, right? This is, this is who we are. Uh, on the positive side, you know, people are, are really understanding that there is a gap in the data space, right? And, and anyone who we talk to who's actually experienced that, the first thing they, they, they talk about and their, their first reaction is like, yeah, 
Yeah, like this makes sense. Like, yo, why, why is, why is data so hard to come around? And, and they hear the story and like what we want to do with FTN data, where we don't want it to be NFL. We want to have, you know, charted data for every single sport and be a true data provider um, for, for every sport, right? Um, and that's where, the, that's where we're trying to, that's where we're trying to raise money for, right? Is we want to put 80% of that money uh, into the data side to really start scaling out all of our sports. We hope to have like NBA and PGA by the end of 2023 as part of our data pro uh, product that might get pushed to maybe Q1 2024. But, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, that's our story is we want to start really expanding this data product to being a full service data show. Awesome. You've been on this journey so far since the start of COVID. Uh, so it's been a few years now. And obviously the founder journey is a, a wild one for anybody that's been on it. So curious to hear from you through it all so far. And you have a lot of road ahead of you still, but at least for the road you've traveled thus far, what's been the biggest challenge on the personal side, I guess, building and growing FTN to this point? Yeah, I mean, as, as a founder, right, you don't really have like hours, right? And I, I, I joke about this with like my wife. It's like, I, she's like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm off for President's Day, right? And I'm like, oh, great. I'm not, um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I kind of like, I think about my business 24 seven. Right. Um, and so that is the biggest challenge. Right. And it's, it's being respectful to, you know, my, my wife or, you know, it's anyone's founder, significant other, right. It's like really finding time to have time for yourself and for your family and really just trying to find time to shut off, like your brain actually thinking about your business. Uh, that, that to me has been the, the hardest challenge that might be like cliche to, to say, but it really, it truly is like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm getting, you know, you get thousands of Slack messages every day. You know, we have a pretty big company. Uh, lots of things are happening. And so it's hard to really shut off and like shut off your phone for a couple hours. No, I think, I think a lot of people listening would be nodding in agreement with that right now. So it's a, it's a fair one to call out. Um, I guess the other side of that coin, let me quickly, quickly ask you, um, what's been the most rewarding aspect of the journey so far for you? I mean, to, for me, the building something from scratch and seeing it develop is amazingly rewarding. I, I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's a great feeling. It's something I'm super, super proud of. You know, I, I hate gardening, but I picture it as like someone like, you know, gardening, right? They, 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 they plant the seed and they see something grow out of it. Um, that's sort of what's happening with, with FTN. And that is, that is by far the most rewarding. And then again, I, I'm probably sounding a little cliche here, but a lot of the people that we started with, right, probably were put in a position that they only got because they didn't have the, they didn't have the experience, right? And then this is that they, they got because they started a startup, right? And seeing people grow into the startup into like really professional roles and just excelling at the role that they joined in is something that's also really rewarding. So it's kind of like a combo of just like watching the company grow and watching people grow within the company is, is super, super cool. We're coming up to the midpoint of the calendar year here. And obviously the second half of the year is an important one as you've alluded to sort of the first full NFL season commercializing the B2B data product. So I guess, you know, as you look ahead to the new NFL season, when you get to the other side of it and look back, what does a successful NFL season look like for FTN in the second half of 2023? Sure. So on the data side, right, specifically, I would say increasing our client list, our client portfolio by 50%. I know that's a pretty, that's a pretty broad number, but it, it's just, that's kind of where we are on, on, on the data side, right? We, we, we have it, this is our real first year go to market. So, okay, let's, we have, we had existing clients, let's grow that by 50% and making sure our systems don't crash, right? So then we're really ready for accelerated growth because we're still not ready to kind of flip that switch on for accelerated growth on the B2B side. We wanna make sure everything is, is, is running smoothly and, and we can handle 10 million calls or 20 million calls or whatever amount on that end. On the B2C side, just maintaining that subscription growth, right? If we're able to, you know, this is a bit of like a, a, a numbered answer, but right, it's like, you know, keeping our annual churn below 20% 
keeping that growth, that new user growth uh, up to around 300%, even 200% right in that range uh, while maintaining that churn. That's a super, super positive football season for us. Uh, and right now we're hitting those numbers, which is exciting. Awesome. Well, that takes us to my standard closing question, Stefano, which is this. If you weren't working on FTN, if you weren't doing anything in sports or developing tech or anything you've previously done in other career chapters in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? It's a good question. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> I What would I be doing? I mean, I'd probably be, uh, I would have some sort of, business, right? Trying to make doctors money and probably have stayed in that sort of lane with my, with my burner Twitter account, tweeting out the sports information, right? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. I'm, I'm really not sure. I would like to think my entrepreneurial spirit would have come out of me at some point and I would have started some sort of business or, or, uh, joined some sort of startup, maybe not in the sports world. So I'll, I'll say that I'll, I would have, I, my entrepreneurial spirit would have come out and I would have started a business, but I'm, I, I honestly don't. Well, your, your lack of clarity on that answer is really only a testament to how committed you are to what you're up to at FTN. So it's actually a, a good non-answer. I'll take it. <laughs> I like that spin. I'll take it. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, Stefano, for anybody listening that uh, wants to learn more about FTN, maybe any startups listening, of which we do have several that are interested in checking out the data product, where can you point them towards to get in touch with your team and, and take a look under the hood? Sure. So first, anyone could reach out to me. My email is stefano at ftnnetwork.com. Pretty easy, S-T-E-F-A-N-O, it's not P-H, so in case you stole that wrong. But it's a stefano at ftnnetwork.com. Um, and I would also just highly encourage everyone to like check out our site. So like, again, I'll just say it out loud. The three B2C sites are ftnfantasy.com, sorry, excuse me, ftndaily.com and ftnbets.com. And then you can always check out ftndata.com, um, which is, again, you're not really going to see a ton of information. You're going to kind of see like our documentation to our API, what stats we have. And then if you have any data questions, I highly suggest you guys, you know, reach out to me. You can also reach out to Frank at ftnnetwork.com. That's a bit easier to uh, spell and remember, Stefano. But yeah, you know, I, I you know, that's one, that's another thing you should learn from tech stars is those sort of intros um, and like cold intros or just like reaching out to people. They really go a long way. I'm happy to connect with anyone and, and you know, have a conversation with anyone, whether they're looking for advice or looking for fantasy football advice or data product. You name it, right? Or if they want to know how to make a cheesy Twitter handle, happy to chat about that as well. Awesome. Well, look, it's been great to chat with you today, Stefano, and learn more about everything you're up to. I mean, I can only really say that, you know, you are closing a very meaningful gap in the market. I mean, I personally speak with obviously a lot of startups quite frequently, and that is a major pain point in the ecosystem right now. So really wishing you and the team all the best for the upcoming NFL season. Look forward to continuing to follow your progress. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me on.